When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. back everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 581 and this will be our first episode where we have real baseball to talk about we're going to recap the week one in fab talk about just the craziness that is baseball slash fantasy baseball right now with this new landscape over the first weekend and much much more and to help me break it all down with a friend of the show a friend of mine he's done the show a couple times now and it's always a pleasure talking to this gentleman he, he just crushes the main event you know it's just what he does just fun things like that a very, very smart guy. He went to college, so that's good. He's got that going for him. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to have him on Bubba in the Bloom so I can have two guys that can make amazing charts really make me feel funny. But um, for now, we talk, we're going to talk fab and more. You can find him on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. Ben Ted, how are we doing, my friend? Hey, Bubba. It's great to be on again. Thanks for having me. And I always love when you bring up the uh, college stuff. <laughs> Never it just makes old. me laugh. It makes yeah. me laugh. I'm a sarcastic guy. And it was just, it was, it was great. It was, it was so good. But uh, how are we doing? How's that? How's, how's the fantasy baseball treating you so far? It's been a mixed bag. Um, it's just great to have baseball on. Mm-hmm. Um, just watching the Yankees again. I'm a Yankees fan. It's been great. And I was in, I was in Boston over the weekend. I didn't go to the Red Sox game, but I was there during it. It was pretty cool afterwards. I was able to go by the, the stadium, see the players leaving. So it's just great to have it back again yeah it is awesome like uh i i know listeners are probably sick of me complaining about it i wish i had mlb network because youtube tv got rid of it because other like i have that on like almost 24 7 during baseball season when i'm in my office here doing podcasts or writing it's just on there's always something so i kind of missed that but yes i've had game i I watched the a's and guardians last night while i was doing stuff and that was a crazy game so it's it's awesome to have baseball back like you said and i was kind of following your tweets over the weekend like you guys were at like all the bars and stuff right around the ballpark and then that was the game where Bautista should have had the easy save but they dropped the fly ball and left with two outs the next batter goes deep to walk it off and I can only imagine the chaos that took place like you said around there so pretty cool yeah even though I'm a Yankee fan it's still exciting to be there you know everyone in the food hall went nuts so it was it was pretty cool well, it's even more fun because, you know, as a Yankees fan, you go, yeah, enjoy, enjoy the April win, guys. Enjoy the <laughs> April win. Like, you could, you could just you could spin it so many ways yeah. and, uh, and have some fun with it for sure. But uh, let's talk about some of the early kind of takeaways from the season before we get into the fab here. And there's so many things to talk about, so this is like in no specific order. But I guess I'll start with the top part because it kind of affects the rest of it. We'll talk about the pitch clock because without the pitch clock, maybe these other things don't happen the same way per se. 
But uh, the pitch clock has been, honestly, I haven't minded. It. it hasn't affected me. You know, there's been a, a couple occasions where there's, like last night, Seth Brown struck out on a pitch because he wasn't in the box yet. There's a couple little wrinkles that are close, but for the most part, I think it is speeding up games. I don't care if they're sped up or not, but I get the appeal for kind of average fans or something. But what's your thoughts on the pitch clock? And um, you, you almost don't even notice it for most of the game, to be honest. Yeah, I'm a big fan. The only time I do notice is when they actually show it. So, so yeah. I'm not a big fan of them showing it because it's like with the um, like the uh, the mound visit rule and some of that other stuff. Like if, if it's supposed to like prevent something from happening, you, then you never see it. But like when they show the clock, then you like you're, you remember it's there. Otherwise, if it was just like a normal scoreboard up in the top of the corner of the TV, then you would just be like, oh, they're just going quick, and you, you're not looking at it because I mean, some people probably like, I'm kind of guilty. I'll look at it instead of mm-hmm. like looking at the game, you know, just to see what's going on. But um. Yeah, I think the average time is like two hours and 38 minutes, and that's yeah. uh, about half an hour shorter than last year so far. So I think it's, it's definitely doing the job. 100%. I think it's, it's, it's doing the job in a big way. It is funny, like you mentioned that, because I will get caught looking at the score thing, just watching it go like nine, eight, is he going to pitch yet? Like, I'm just like watching this thing. The one time it was hilarious, though, it was Seattle and Cleveland over the weekend. I think it was Saturday night or something. And it was like the Thursday or Friday game, Karinchek had an issue with the clock and was having a problem. So whatever night, Saturday night game, he comes in and the Seattle fans, the sold out crowd was counting down every time it hit 10 while Karinchek was on the mound. Like So it was just loud. It was actually kind of funny. I'm like, and the, the announcers, it was like a Fox RFS one game. They were all, well, if anything, they brought the fans into the game, so that's good. <laughs> I did not hear. I did not hear that. That's pretty awesome. It was pretty fun, like because that was the time. We're like, okay, this is kind of cool. I get it. Like it's late in the game; they were only up like a run. Karinchik like struggled with the clock. Like admitted it after the game, and the fans just ran with it. It was pretty funny in that regard. Um, so yeah, the pitch clock. I'm with you. It's kind of it is what it is. It's not going anywhere. So I learn to accept it. You'll you'll enjoy the game faster. Just don't get that right now. Uh, the one caveat, and I've seen some like DVR and some other guys mentioned it. It's fine for us at home. Like obviously, like I love it because I have to do certain pieces of content every night that I have to wait for the games to be over. So when they're over earlier, it makes my life happier. But if you go to a game, it's expensive to go to a game. Especially if you bring a family or whatever you're bringing, it's a it's a it's a it's a price tag. Now, if it, if it's shorter, you're kind of thinking, "Am I still getting the bag, the same bang for my buck?" Like, what are we doing here? Um, and someone also mentioned, "Now think about it. Most places serve beer till the seventh inning. If that seventh inning comes sooner, now they're messing with the owner's bottom line." So, I think it was DVR that mentioned it because, like, the Cowboys do it for football in some of these newer stadiums. For baseball, do you make an area that you can get into a special area with your ticket like an hour before the game where they sell stuff? Because that's what the Cowboys do. They have a whole area you can go, and they have like a band playing, and they have all the concessions outside and all that kind of thing. So that'll be interesting to see where that works because the the one thing we do know, Ben, owners are not going to lose money on stuff like this. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we shall see. All right. Let's talk about some of the stats that we can rely on. And let's go to the top one here, Steals. Steals, it's literally running wild. It was speculated throughout spring training, but it is just crazy right now, Ben. Um, it was like on the first day, I think it was like 21 of 23 compared to like five the previous season on opening day. I think we were like over the 70 mark, give or take, through the first weekend. And the most impressive thing is the actual success rate is like well over 80%, which is pretty crazy. Like that's the biggest standout for me watching that. So What's your thoughts on this? And then how do you think we need to attack it fantasy-wise? 
Well, I, the rules are working, it seems like. So that, that's, yeah. that's a good thing. Um, and there was always that debate I heard during the um, spring training time and draft season about like, how do you, should you care about steals? Because if there's going to be so many, then like all your guys in theory are going to have more steals. But I mean, you have to target the right players still. Um, so now I guess usually we'll look at, look at last year. There's Jake McCarthy on the, on the waiver wire. There were, um, I know I'm missing other guys, but like he was, he was the big one. Yeah. John Birdie for that midsummer stretch. He was unbelievable. So, um, like those guys are going to be even more valuable if you need even more steals now. Um, so I like this, this year I was trying to be more like, okay, worry about other stats early on as well. But I think if you didn't draft a lot of guys with like that 10 to 15 speed ability or steal ability, it might be in a little disadvantage, I think. Um, like I was in my one man event, I ended up with Jorge Mateo as my uh, utility guy. And I was kind of mad. I'm like, I don't want Jorge Mateo in my starting lineup. But like after that two working steal out. game, I'm like, okay, maybe it was a good pick. Yeah, working <laughs> I think out he's got so four now. So I mean, I kind of lucked into that. But um, yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see. I mean, it's only been four days, or for most teams, only played four games still. So, but I I'm sure like once teams start realizing like they can they can run and be successful and not worry about getting thrown out then i think the numbers might um increase even more as we go into the season yeah and, it, and you mentioned the rules because like I, like I didn't mention them it's you know they only get two throwovers there's all those little things and again I, i'm going to reference it because i saw it last night the a's guardians game in extra innings i believe it was miles straw or eddie or um or Rosario, better zario on first base and trevor may threw over twice and after that second throw they were literally dancing because the second he, if he throws it, he has to get him out. So basically the second he moves his foot, you just take off essentially like you're, you're good no matter what foot he moves. So they were just having a field day with him over there. And it was just like, well, that was the first time I saw that actually come into play. Cause I've never seen the two throws that basically tells the guy, okay, I can run. Here we go. Type situation. So that was interesting. Um, but yeah, it's working in a big way. The other part is, as you mentioned, Mateo, those Orioles ran wild. But it was interesting seeing some of that. The first two games, 10 steals against Reese McGuire. Connor Wong catches on Sunday, zero steals. Um, I believe Connor Wong caught game one of the um, Pirates uh, Red Sox. I think they stole like two bags off of him. So it wasn't the onslaught that that McGuire sought. So I never thought, Ben, that I'd be having to go to Savant and really look hard at catcher's pop times. But this might be something we have to look at as well, because for streaming wise, at least, like they could be like, "Hey, this this is the week to go get." It's not just it's not just Hades facing Noah Syndergaard. This is a whole different story now. Mm-hmm. So we'll yeah, for sure. Like if you have one of those back end catcher twos, and you have them for offense, maybe their team's not going to play them as much now. Because to your point, if if they don't have a good arm, then they're going to hurt the team pretty pretty significantly. So something, one more thing to add to our uh, checklist. Exactly. One more thing to worry about besides just maybe fielding a healthy roster from time to time. Uh, in line with the steals, the offense bonanza is out there. It's crazy. For like some, we've had certain nights like last night in the summertime when it's hot and you know you got some wind blowing out. You're like, okay, that's cool. It happens once in a while. It's not hot right now. It's cold. The winds like the 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 Royals Blue Jays were nine to five on Monday night, and it was cold with the wind blowing in. So just put that like I know it was Brios, it's not great, but just put that into perspective. So I guess these will go hand in hand. What are your thoughts on this offensive explosion? Because it could be the pitch clock's hurrying up pitchers, they're losing stamina. They've kind of some guys have kind of mentioned that theory. There's also are we getting the juiced balls again? Because the way the ball's flying out certain times, it's looking shady. So how are you looking at this already ramped up offense? I know we shouldn't overreact, but 
it's hard not to like at least start looking at it because it's it's going crazy right now. Yeah, it could be any. Uh, it could be a bunch of different things. So you mentioned the ball. Um, I think we're in probably need a month's worth of data before people can actually start saying for sure whether it's been it's different or not. I think I saw a tweet that exit velocities are up a little bit at least um, so far. So that could be a could mean the ball's a little bit harder. Um, so we have to wait and see. I mean, after less than a week of games, it's hard to tell for sure. Yeah. But um, I, before we got on and started recording, I, I mentioned, um, I wonder how the World Baseball Classic's affecting it. Um, I mm-hmm. didn't have enough time before we recorded to look to see at the other four seasons or three seasons to see how um, April compared to uh, other years when there wasn't a classic. But um, and when I say that, I wonder if like all those hitters got extra at-bats and meaningful at-bats. I wonder if they, they're ahead of the pitchers right now. Um, something that would be interesting to look into if uh, in the other seasons like 2017, 2009, 2006, and the 2013, if we saw um, boost in offense in those, in that, in those early months. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, and yeah, like with the ball, if they change it again, it's gonna be so annoying because um, you have all these plans that you go into and try to construct your team a certain way based on ADP and how stats are distributed. And now it's all at the window potentially. So yeah, it's, I might be frustrating. Yeah, and it's like technically this is a fantasy baseball show, but I told people I created this show so they want to talk baseball or whatever whenever I wanted to. So the little side nugget here, the the biggest annoyance is it's like why do you keep messing with a, a game that the only people that think there's a problem with the game are the people in the offices? Like everybody, like us, we're like this is a great game. Just just pick one thing and run with it. Like stop changing it. Like this is great, and um, I don't see what they're gaining out of it. I know they want to spice up the offense, but. You know, between the shift, because BABIP's up a ton compared to years past. Again, small sample, but we're working with what we can work with. So BABIP's up a ton. Runs are up. I think a lot of that already would have happened without a bouncy baseball. Like, I think it's pretty simple to say here. So that they might have taken it to an extreme is the problem. Um, the only other nugget I had, and if you got some more stuff, feel free to, to fly it out here. The bullpens have not been kind so far. Like, I, like we're used to blown saves from time to time. But it's nasty, not to mention just the injuries we had earlier before the season started. You know, Classe blows a, slate, a save. His velocity's been down in a lot of his outings. Um, Batista had that one blow and save. I don't really say it's his fault. Uh, Presley's been battling some stuff. There, it's it's a weird world out there. We saw McGuff. We saw everybody blow saves. It felt like Monday night. So what's your thoughts early on here on the bullpen situation? I think we need, we need more time. So um, – at least in the main events, I try getting like an anchor closer. Um, like I think that's a, a newer term, like kind of like anchor running back stuff like that. Um, and I had a lot of specs late, but I don't want to drop those specs yet because yeah. some of them haven't even had a chance to be speculative. Like I have, um, I have Adovino. I mean, it seems like Robson's got the lead there for the Mets, but um, even like with the Cubs, like I, I don't know who the closer is between Fulmer and Boxberger. Um, I don't think they've had a save chance yet. There's been a few teams with no save chances yet, so. Um, people going a little bit crazy with their fab, as we'll probably go over a little bit on these. I guess new spec closers is a little, I guess, not being too cautious. I mean, I'd be a little more cautious with um, how I spend my fab right away. But, um, yeah, it's, de- it's definitely been messy. And it was we were already losing closers, like with the Diaz injury and Hendricks with his um, uh, illness. So it's – and now if Class A's got something wrong with him, that's even worse for anyone who paid up for him as the, the new RP1 once uh, Diaz went down. So – yeah. I, I think just we need to give a little more time. Um, I heard someone say earlier when I was on to a podcast that someone's got someone has it the first save. So, mm-hmm. does it mean that uh, that's the closer for the rest of the year? It's just 
how they how maybe the game went or if, how usage went. So it's we just got maybe a little more patient, I think. Hundred percent. I'm with you there. I'm not. I'm not going crazy yet. In twelves, some of my early specs, I'm kind of maybe floating around a little differently. But fifteens, I completely agree with you. Like the depth there, you need to just wait and see. Um, and people need to not panic on the flip side. Not just teams not getting saves. Like even on Monday night, Derek Law got the save for Cincinnati, and I saw people like, "Why isn't Alexis Diaz in?" Well, he pitched the, first, the two games before that. Like they're giving him the night off. Like so, there's so many things this early in the season, and I, that's why down velocity. Like Colossae's, does it make me pay attention? Yes. Am I super concerned? Not yet. Because they're still, I wouldn't say ramping up, but it's still so early. It's cold. Like there's so many factors involved where I'm kind of just like, okay, just get through the game. Make sure you can come out two games from now. Like give him a day off. That's fine. Just make sure he comes out here the next game and then we're good to go. Because in a perfect world, we all know who Colossae is. We know who some of these other guys are. And uh, it goes with with many of the other teams um, in those situations. Anything else you got for us on this fun, fun-filled start to the season? Yeah, just to touch on the offense um, so far, I uh, I brought I pulled up earlier today uh, baseball reference, and I've got here the um, hitting totals per team per game so far, sorted by year, um, just to see how the first five days or six days of the season compares to the full seasons of the pat of going back as far as it goes back. But I'll just read off the f- first couple of years so. According to baseball reference, we were at 4.62 runs per game. Um, and last year that was 4.28. So we're about a third of a run uh, up and it's only April. So we would expect as the year goes on that that would increase um, with the weather. Um, this is back to like 2020 levels. That was 4.65. So it seems like we're getting closer to the juice ball. Uh, 2019 was 4.83. So it may be that kind of run scoring environment again um, if things continue to increase. Um, homers are at 1.18 per team per game. Um, last year was 1.07. Um, and in 2021, that was 1.22. So, and in 2020, 2019 was even higher. So the homers aren't quite to the levels that we've seen on the last, in the most recent years, but, um, higher than last year so far. Uh, the other interesting one is steals. So, so far it's 0.65 steals per team per game. Um, last year was 0.51. So that's, over 20% increase. So that's pretty significant. I think um, the last time it was that high was 2012. That was 0.66. Um, and the caught stealing rates only point or caught steal steals or caught stealing, excuse me, is 0.12. Um, it was 0.17 last year. It was, and back when it was the uh, success rate was 0.66 per game per team. It was 0.23 was the caught steals per game. So it's about half of what it was the last time that the, the uh, success rate was this high. Um, so that's pretty significant, I think too. Batting average, yeah. uh, 249 so far. Last year, 243. So maybe not as high as we were expecting, but still early. Um, and another thing they have here that's kind of interesting is uh, balls in play. So we're at 24.18 balls in play. Last year, it was 24.41. The year before, it was 23.64. So actually down from last year in terms of balls in play. Um, but we still have time for that, too. So there's some interesting stats that I saw that do support what we've seen so far as higher steals by a good amount. Um, the runs are definitely up from last year, but they could even be ha- around uh, the happy fumble era if uh, they keep rising with the weather. So it'll be interesting to see how this can use the change. Yeah, those are some very interesting numbers. Like, like we keep saying, small sample, like don't get too carried away, but we also got to kind of pay attention because you're going to have to react quickly, as we saw back in 2019, where certain players do matter a lot more than others in those scenarios. So just like to throw a question out there and it, 
there's really no correct answer yet because we are just speculating, of course. And I'm, we kind of have a rough draft on what happened in 2019 and 2020. But say we are getting closer to the 2019 numbers. Just for say we are for whatever reason, juice ball, new format, whatever you want to call it. We already saw it take place on Monday night. How does that affect uh, streamers pitching-wise? Because we were like, you know, I've already been much more hesitant after that debacle in 2019 and 2020 to be like, you know what, maybe let's just be smart about it. We saw a lot of them get shelled on Monday night, just bottom line. We'll talk about them probably today. So it almost like I know my answer, but I'm curious yours. What's your thoughts on that? We're seeing 15 where it's harder to find streamers. Um, are you just going relievers, just leaving it as is? Like, how do you approach that? So if anyone listening follows me on Twitter, you may see my tweet about Cutter Crawford last night. So I, I picked I him missed up. That. Like, I'm not even trying to jab at you. I'm sorry. I, I missed that tweet. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. So I uh, I streamed him in um one of my two main events and uh, it was a mixed bag. Um, so depends on uh, hopefully he pitches on Sunday and hopefully that start goes much better than last night. But um, yeah, in 15, I remember from last year, it's just like, especially in the main event, it's just everyone. It's so everyone's so aggressive on starters because trying to get a good ratio. The be so much hitter friendly now. It's yeah. Those, those long relievers are set up guys that good, those good ratios, maybe they pitch twice and get four Ks. That's, probably better than what you're going to get in terms of K's and ratios and a normal streamer it only has one start. So yeah, I might take a little break. This is a unique, we'll, we'll, if we talk, I'm sure we'll talk about him at some point yeah. later on, but um, it was unique. There was I might a lot be a little more cautious issues. going. Yeah. He was pretty popular with a couple other guys. So um, I'll probably have to be a little more cautious. It was, it was a unique situation where I wanted to stream already. And I, my other main, I didn't do that. I didn't add any streamers, but it was, yeah, it wasn't a good start <laughs> to the year. Yeah, no, it happens. It happened to a lot of us. So it's not just you to pain. Like I said, it wasn't just Crawford. There was probably four, five, six guys that got streamed and got shelled. And some very smart players like yourself were tweeting. See, I didn't see yours, but I saw other tweets. They were all doing it. Like it was. It wasn't just you that got it uh, because they were great matchups. It's just the bottom line. Like you tell me, you're worried about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Like that's what we're worried about, and then it just it happens. So that's baseball. And uh, it takes us full circle is maybe that's another reason to keep those spec closers on the roster because at least there'll be the setup men that could get you some better innings. So um, definitely a smart move on your part. All right, let's talk about some fab. And as if those listened in years past with me and Toby, I will have a guest on each week to recap fab this season. And um, we go over the player shares, player player movement page on NFBC. And we do Rotowire OCs. It's a 12-team format where – we found out most more listeners actually pay 10 and 12 teams compared to 15. So we, we find it in the middle. We do the 12 team format and, uh, and go from there. So the most added player yeah, this is just wild. Cause some people, I'm a very sarcastic person. So I've appreciated some tweets revolving this situation. Pierce Johnson was added in 164 leagues. I'm pretty sure that's every single OC on the planet. He was added for as high as 243 as low as $3. I'm actually always entertained when it's not just $1. It seems like there's always one league at $1 wins anybody. It's the worst thing ever. So the fact that the lowest was $3, kudos to whoever league, you know, at least paid attention. But um, the, the the tweets that made me laugh is like, we're really playing this game with the Colorado closing situation. Like that's what we're doing. So I thought Pierce was the one to speculate on. There was no chance. I would have been closer to the $3 guy than the $243 guy. Let's put it that way. So what's your thoughts on this? Like, are you a believer in Pierce being the guy? Are you thinking, like, 
what were you kind of speculating bids wise on him? Yeah, I didn't even bother putting any bids on Pierce Johnson. Um, just so everyone knows, I, I don't have any 12 team OCs on uh, NFBC. I just have 15 teamers this season. Um, I do have some 12s in Yahoo, so it's a little different setup with Fab, but um, so I didn't want to pour all that Fab into him. And um, mainly just because I, I think we talked talked before we went out live was that um, I have a lot of specs who haven't really had a chance yet to close yet. Um, mm-hmm. I have a lot of Brad Boxberger. So I wanted to, before I added someone like Pierce Johnson, I wanted to wait and see how my guys did really. And uh, like the, um, the Phillies, they don't have a save chance yet. I have Jose Alvarado on some teams. So like, I don't want to drop Jose Alvarado who could be the, the closer for the Phillies for Pierce Johnson, where who could get Babbitt his next outing and then lose it when um, Bard comes back in a week. Cause he's already throwing. Yep. So um, yeah, uh, $200 is a little out of my range for what I would be comfortable with. Um, yeah, I agree. I'd be with that single digit range like you if I wanted to uh, put a bid in for him. Yeah, I did not win any of my bids. Um, <laughs> cause like I, I, I was like you, was, the biggest thing is like what you mentioned is, uh, I don't know how to phrase this without jinxing myself, is the guys that I either have as relievers or speculating are still standing. So like I want like you kind of like, well, we, they played three games. Like, what are we doing? Like, I drafted these guys like a week ago. My last one of my last drafts was on Wednesday night before the season started. I'm really already getting rid of these guys. Like, this seems a little, a little much here. So, um, I wasn't all in. And the other reason is, and I did say last week, if you had to spec on a guy by Bards out, I, I thought Pierce was a good one to spec on. Didn't think he'd walk right into it like he did, but there's still Denellis and Lamette. There's still Brad Hand. These are guys that are going to get some run because it is Bud Black. Bud Black even came out and said, I think after Monday's game, that it's not Pierce's job. Like he flat out said it's going to be a committee for now, and that's when he also mentioned that Bard's throwing already. So, and he made a point to mention that. And if you're thinking out loud, he made a point probably for a reason. Like, hey, this is technically Bard's job. Whenever he comes back, as long as he feels good enough to come back. So, um, yeah, that's why a few bucks, sure, why not? Um, a fifth of your budget, maybe twenty five percent of your budget, probably not the best move in my opinion. But hey, you never know. Maybe maybe magic happens in that scenario. Yeah, it's probably just a little bit of like the closer panic. These are probably yeah. teams that just missed out in their drafts and they're just trying to make up for uh, some lost ground. And it's like Good the point. first chance they, they, they can see and they just want to try. And you always hear too, like people, some people say it's better to spend early. Yep. Because then you have the full season of what you're bidding of the player if you get them, but like you want to make sure it's a good player still. Like it's not, you don't want to like bid on just a player to have them for the rest of the season. Like if you have Pierce Johnson, you're probably dropping him in like a month, in less than a month. Yeah. So it's just like, you need to make sure that your you're, what you're investing in these in these players is going to be worth it. Like the first, technically the first Fab week was before the season started, but I still call this week one. Like anywhere that Clark Schmidt was available, I went pretty heavy because I'm like a believer in Clark Schmidt. Um, there's a couple other guys that might have been out there depending on how early you drafted. Yes, those guys are worth spending cash on because they're probably going to play most of the season. I'm with you on Pierce Johnson. That's I, I think we'd all be shocked if he was the guy for the entire season. That's where. Um, cause I used to never like to spend. And then like what you said, one of the gentlemen, the guilds I've talked to many times, he's a proponent of spending early. That's what he does. And then he, when he broke it down to me on one of my shows, it made more sense to me. It wasn't frivolous spending as much as, Hey, get my guys, do my thing. And as you know, Ben, in these formats, as, as much as we want, like people want to deny it as the season goes on, some people stop paying attention. Bids get cheaper. You don't need the, as big a wad of money as you think you do. Now it helps, obviously, if you have to get certain guys because you need them at a necessity. But it's not always the end of the world. As long as you have a few bucks here and there, you can you can make some things happen. 
There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. All right. The next one, Tyler McGill, I did put some bids out on. The last two weeks, I put some bids out on Tyler McGill. He was added in 146 leagues. He went as high as 234, as low as $1. We have one of them checking in. I'll say this much, Ben. I don't know about your 15s um, before we go on to McGill. I think you might have commented on it or someone else did when I tweeted it out. I, I don't think any of my OCs, my, my three OCs, 12-team leagues, I don't think any of them I had runner-up bids on, on anybody. Uh, and it was it was the wildest thing I've ever seen. And I, I know at least one, if not two other people commented saying same thing in their formats, and some of them were 15s. It was just a weird, bizarre fab week. And it could be, like you said, is there's only three games. I'm not moving on from my guys yet. It might be something to keep in the back of my mind for the future. Like, hey, maybe you don't have to go crazy this week. Like, just tone the bids down. Then it'll backfire, of course. But um, Tyler McGill, what's your thoughts? Because he came out and dominated, looked pretty darn good in his first start. Yeah, he. I think he may have been taken in all of my leagues except for one. Um, and then the one that I, he was available. I don't think I needed pitching. Um, but I'm from what I've been, I've heard. I think his velocity is down from where it was last year. So I don't think he's the same pitcher that people remember from April per se. Um, yeah. So, it's, so I'm looking at a Savant. Um, Actually, surprised last year's stats, but um, yeah. So, just looking at it, star. So we had like an XB of three hundred four, um, XERA of six point two eight. Um, so maybe he got maybe a little lucky. I know he had, I think he had seven strikeouts in five innings, so that's good. Um, I, well, one thing I'm appealing about McGill is he plays for the Mets, so if he as long as he stays in the rotation, he should get some uh, some wins. So that's pretty valuable. Um, yeah, I think he's a good flyer. Um, just. I don't know if he's worth some of those upper upper 
bids that you were talking about. But yeah, I think, especially with the way the pitching is now, I mean, if he can get his strike, that strikeout potential back, he had a 30% K rate. So that's really good. Um, that could really help with this uh, inflated environment um, going forward. So he's definitely a good uh, speculative add and uh, hopefully he stays in rotation uh, as they get guys back. Yeah, because I think he might, because Carrasco, after his Monday start, he might start missing some time here. He said he blamed the lowered velocity on the pitch clock affecting him, and I'm like, you pitched all spring with the pitch clock. Uh, so I'm still kind of like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it type thing. So we could see Peterson and McGill, some of our favorite six and seven starters that we thought would have roles for some time this season, right out the gate just pitching and maybe not looking back, which is wild to think about. But, yeah, like you mentioned, the velocity with Miguel, a little concerning, something to monitor, but because um, the velocity was used super, super electric in uh, 2022 when he first came out. But maybe that's what hurt him, and now he's learning how to pitch differently too. So there's like a, a, a different philosophy in the game, and it's still 7K. Give me 7Ks over five every time. Like, <laughs> I'm in. So we'll, we'll see how that plays. Uh, Nolan Gorman, this is one that I had ish, like just such a hard time bidding on because we know the talent from the minors is there. And he's come out like a gangbuster to start the season. He was picked up in 124 leagues as high as 388, as low as $10. Like, I can, that might be the lowest low I've ever seen. Like, our highest low, I should say, I've ever seen on this show. So, people love Nolan Gorman. Like I said, he was hyped up loud. He was one of the big fab spins in the middle of the season last year, didn't produce. What's your thoughts? Because I'm having, from what I saw last season in the bigs, which was a mixed bag, he had like 14 homers, but a ton of strikeouts. I'm, I'm, it's hard for me after three games to be like, yes, he's changed. So how's, what's your thoughts on Nolan Gorman? Yeah, well, one thing that's positive for him is he's played a lot to start the season. So, um, yeah, And the Lars injury is only going to help him stay in the lineup, I think, at least at the first righties. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he, uh, yeah, that K rate isn't going to be too good if he wants to stay in the lineup going forward. But, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a good back-end bench guy, I think, to have for now. Um, he's probably better in daily leagues where you can sit him if he's – sitting against a lefty, but um, yeah, well, he has that prospect pedigree, so he could have some upside um, in a fully healthy Cardinals team. It's going to be hard for him to play, but um, so I think spending all, a lot of fab on him may be a little ill-advised, but for a short-term ad, I think he's pretty good. You might get lucky. Maybe someone else gets hurt while Lars is down, and I don't think we know how long he'll be out. Um, at least I haven't seen. I haven't seen the report either. Yeah, it's so. Bruised thumb, so I don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, it's bad enough for him to go in the IL, so it must be somewhat severe. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think – if he's hitting like this, like I think he has a hit to start – he's a hit in every game to start the season. Mm-hmm. Um, only four Ks in four, four games, so that's that's positive. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a good good, good player to add. Um, just, I don't know if I would have spent all that money like some people did. I think the like, – like you said, it's great. Four, a hit in every game, almost a 30% walk rate, 23.5% K rate. Like the K rate – like the walk rate will come down, obviously, but the K rate, if he can – keep it close to 25% or less would be tremendous growth for him. The biggest thing that you mentioned, that I guess that kind of concerned me and this because Newt wasn't on the IL when we made these bids. So that was where it was tricky. Um, there's a lot of mouths to feed in St. Louis a lot. And it's like, if you, and he's playing DH, so all the mouths can come to that spot in the order. <laughs> it's not like he's got like just one spot. That's where it was. It was tricky for me, but he's hitting and it's something to watch. And I'll just throw it out there now. Cause like, you'll probably be, putting some bids and at least doing some research on them. We'll have more Newt Bar news by next Saturday night, I'd assume, Sunday afternoon, hopefully. Uh, Burleson is going to be a fun, fun discussion topic on this show next week. I'll tell you that much because I'm curious to see what his bids go for. The dude can rake. So 
and Yepes got called up. I'm imagining that's a platoon. We'll wait and see. Burleson would have a strong side though, so could be pretty fun one to monitor. Yeah, and I have um Lars, and I think both my Yahoo leagues, and those are daily, so I had to replace him, and uh, I ended up getting Josh Lowe to uh, fill his like uh, position, but I did have Burleson and. In the Yahoo waterfall or the Yahoo version of the waterfall, it's a Yahoo version of the waterfall. I like that. Yeah, it's a little different setup, but it's the same idea. I like that. A good hat tip to James Anderson and uh, the mm-hmm. Rotowire gang. That's a good one. Um, yeah, Lowe's a good one. Like, let me see. Is he even on the list here? He should be if he's not. Cause he, didn't, he couldn't have gotten drafted that many places. Uh, he was only added in 31 leagues, so he's either still out there or he got drafted a lot of places. Good for him. Um, that's a good one to mention, though, because he's been hitting. Almost every game we're trying to pitching, and in the about fifth or sixth spot in that order. So he's been getting some run. So that's a good, good shout out to Josh Lowe in that scenario. Um, we talked about Pierce Johnson already. Let's talk about another potential closer overreaction. Maybe not. Danny Jimenez. So the Oakland A's got the close on the opening night of the season. Hasn't done a whole lot since then because it's the Oakland A's. So I'll be completely honest there. Like Trevor May came in in the in the extra inning role last night, not Jimenez. Still makes me think Trevor May is still because even the night Jimenez got the save, Trevor May pitched the eighth against like the big part of the order when the game was still like they're losing by one or tied in that game. So something to think about. But Danny Jimenez was added in 108 leagues as high as 344, so like a hundred dollars more than Pierce Johnson, but as low as one dollar. So, like, it's it's amazing. It doesn't it never gets old, Ben. It never gets old when I say it for every single player because the gap in bids is ridiculous. Um, so, what's your thoughts on Danny Jimenez? Because we know he's good, but it's the A's, and I don't know if it's just his job. Yeah, the one thing that you kept, I kept hearing was his velocity being down and looking right now. So, in 2022, his four-seamer averaged 93.9 miles per hour, so basically 94. And in his first outing, it was 91. So, that's not too good. Um, yeah, and with that, and it's he's on the A's, and they haven't really said who's gonna be the closer. I can, I don't know how you spent $300 on this guy. Um, I had him last year on, on a DC or two, and he got some saves for me, and that was great. Um, I have him again on one DC, I think. But in terms of a fab league where you have to pay that much to get him, I I can't do that, but um, yeah, I don't know. His, his stuff doesn't seem like he's gonna be. Kind of how we touched on before. Yeah, you have one on it. The earlier you get a guy, the longer you can have him. But I don't think you really want Danny Jimenez. Yeah, I'm not not running for that scenario, to put it lightly. Um, let's go to the next one here. We mentioned some two-step guys. Here's our first one on the list. Michael Grove for the Los Angeles Dodgers getting the call up as there's an opening in the Dodgers rotation now is the nicest way I'll put it. Might have some more throughout the season. But um, he made his debut on Monday night, four innings, three earned two hits, two walks, and four strikeouts, kind of a mixed bag over four innings. He was added in 103 leagues, as high as 152, as low as a dollar. So what's your thoughts on Grove? Because I did ha- I did win some Grove bids. I wasn't super aggressive. He was like, if you're talking waterfalls, he was at least my third, if not fourth option on a lot of guys. It was just, you know, to Dodgers, if I'm to pick a two-step, take a team that's pretty darn good to help him out potentially. But they're working, like, pitch-to-contact concerns for me. So what's your thoughts on Grove? Yeah, in my four 15-team Fab Leagues, I had hit, I needed starting pitching in two of them, and he was my second pitcher in uh, both times. Um, I didn't get him on either one. The one I got, Cutter Crawford, and the other one I, I was uh, outbid. Um, yeah, I have him in a DC, so I, I started him there. Um, it seemed like it was going to be a promising start. I think he was 
through four and no runs or three to no runs. Um, yep. But it kind of fell apart at the end, I think. And I remember looking up his minor league numbers or his previous seasons when he was called up and he, he's a high whip guy. So um, I don't think he has the stuff of some of the other young pitchers like Bobby Miller or um, Gavin Stone. So I think and I've, I've been hearing that once, uh, well, he's probably the first to go once Gonsolin's back. So it was only for the week. Um, he did better than Cutter Crawford, though, in his first start. And if he stays up for the Saturday or for Sunday start, I mean, he could still improve on um, his numbers that he's given you so far. But, uh, yeah, this is a short-term stream play, and um, hopefully he'll get a win for whoever added him next week or in the next start. Yep, I'm with you 100%. And it's the biggest thing, like we talk about don't spend too much early. If they call up Gavin Stone, I will spend a lot of money potentially. Like that that's the kind of guys I have circled. It's like and I'm not the only one, obviously. By by far, I'm gonna be fighting with the entire league that has money to get him. But I'd rather if I'm going to take my shot my shots, that's where I want to go in those scenarios than on some of these other guys. But uh we'll see. Maybe he gets the W on Sunday, like you said, and things move on a little bit. Elias, I say this wrong every time. Elias Montero, Elias Montero um, <laughs> of the Colorado Rockies. He played all four games against San Diego. Got the night off on Monday night. Came out the first two games hitting well. Overs the next two nights. He's been a mixed bag in his entire career, but there's upside there. I'll say that much. Added in 99 leagues, as high as 151, as low as a dollar. I wasn't really in need of third base or corner infield, so I wasn't super aggressive on him. Um, what are your thoughts on Montero and did you have any interest in him? Yes. If I needed a third baseman, he's someone I'd be looking at. Um, but with the course caveats, so like, I think we're smarter now as an industry where, um, you got to make sure that you're only really playing these guys when they're in cores. And, um, once they hit the road, it's going to be a kind of rough for a while. And one thing, so I do, I have him on one team already. Um, I, he was my backup third baseman, I think in one of my main events and, one thing I've noticed, like, even though he's produced so far, he has a lot of strikeouts. Um, so if he can't cut down on his strikeout rate, then I, we might be seeing more um, Mike Moustakis or uh, whoever else the Rockies want to sign um, to replace him. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely someone, uh, if you need if you need a corner infielder, definitely go and add him. He's hitting 250. But, yeah, like I said, it's 16 at-bats, 8Ks. So he's definitely got to cut down on that. Last year he was at 176 at-bats and 60Ks, so that's about – 33%. So, yeah, it's not looking good in terms of him being able to hit for average or uh, probably sticking the lineup. But, yeah, he's a good spec play, I think, if you need a corner infielder who could uh, catch hot. Or I think they're about to go into court, so maybe that's why people added him. Yeah, this is what the, their schedule – like last year was the best year to stream Coors, guys. I don't remember a year like it. They literally would have like Monday through Sunday in Coors, and the next week they'd be on the road Monday through Sunday. It was the best thing ever. At least early on, I haven't dug too deep, but now it seems more normal. Like they play this weekend in Coors. Like, so that was last weekend on the road. I think they're in Arizona this week, start the week. Then they go to Coors. Then they start next week in Coors. Then they go back on the road. So in an FPC format, it works out fine. Like you start them here, start them here, bench them on the weekend, drop them probably, like move, play, play the roulette game. And like pure weekly formats, it's not as fun anymore. <laughs> it's just because now you got to play that. Well, do we trust them on the are are the home games worth more than the road potential in these scenarios? And that's where it gets a little tricky, to say the least. I did want to mention one name because I agree. Like I said, Montero, I was interested in. If I needed a third base or corner, I didn't really need it. Luckily, one thing, one name I will mention because I love what we saw in spring. I love what we've seen to start the season. I wrote about him on a Fantasy Pros article that should have dropped today, I believe. 
Um, Yohan Moncada looks good, looks healthy. And I mentioned this because I know you'll know playing 12-team Yahoo's, I use Yahoo roster rates when I write these articles. He's available a lot in those 12-team things because he wasn't drafted and people are a little slower to get to the situation from time to time. Um, he was adding like 55 OCs this past week as high as 203, and it wasn't as low as a dollar. I'll, I'll tease that one. Uh, so I would be looking to get him if he's available. I think I think we, we're seeing Yohan Moncada finally healthy. It's been a few years. I don't know if you have thoughts on him at all. Yeah, so actually on the same main event, um, Moncada is my, my corner infielder. He, uh, oh, perfect. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I had him kind of ranked in the mid to late 200s um, in draft season and like behind um, Yandy, Justin Turner, McMahon, all those guys. He was kind of like the end of like the guys I'd want to start. And he kept falling. I think I got him at like pick 20 or I mean, yeah, pick 320 in this main event. I'm like, well, I need a corner and I, I can't let him go anymore. So I was kind of like, Mike, I'm sitting there. I'm like, come on, still be there, still be there. And I got lucky he, he fell to me. And so far it's been uh, pretty nice to have him on my team. Um, one thing that's kind of, I don't know if it's concerning yet, but just to note is with um, Mankata kind of like with Montero is the elevated strikeout rate to start the year. I think he has seven. It's yeah, very looking, high. yeah he has seven Ks and 21 at bats. Um, yeah. But last year it was more like a 25% or a little bit higher than that. So mm-hmm. it's probably just a small sample thing. But um, yeah, like he went oppo a couple times, I think, for his homers, even though it was mm-hmm. um, Houston and the Crawford boxes. I mean, it's so good that he's hitting it the other way like that. And yeah, so I mean, it's definitely encouraging if um, you drafted him late like I did, or if you want to take a flyer in like a Yahoo or even an OC, uh, I mean, third base, as like we know, isn't the strongest of position. So definitely if you can get someone that's producing, definitely go for it. Yeah, it's a great point on the strikeouts. That's the one thing that stood out to me in a big way when I was kind of trying to pump him up. Like, yeah, go add this guy. And I'm like, just so you know, though, there is a lot of swing and miss. So it's like that's the one recipe where you can go south quickly. If this, like we've seen this with too many guys. So uh, like Nolan Gorman, not striking out a lot. That's good. Yohan Moncada still striking out too much. <laughs> so keep those two things in mind. But I like what we're seeing from Moncada. Uh, a couple more here. Um, we can do them kind of quick hits if you want or so. Will Smith got the save when uh, over Jose Leclerc who hadn't pitched in a while, so that brought up a lot of uh, discussion. He went in 95 leagues as high as 188, as low as a dollar. That's Smith's only appearance this season. It was a perfect inning, but no strikeouts to, to, to it. Just the save. Um, what's your thoughts on Will Smith, or are, are you thinking it's still Leclerc's? Kind of how are you looking at the Texas deal? Well, hearing him going for 180 and Danny Menez going for 300 is kind of surprising. I feel like yeah. it should be the other way around. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it was kind of out of the blue. I remember I tweeted, like, oh, of course, half an hour before Fab's about to run and Will yeah. Smith's out here with no uh, no warning. Um, yeah, but like we mentioned before with the other closers, I, I didn't want to, like, overreact to him getting into the game at that point. Um, I don't think Leclerc's next bothering anymore. But the one thing that's interesting I've been hearing is how uh, Bochy likes his guys almost and um, – I think it's Bochi is the Rangers manager, right? Yep, Bochi is the Rangers. Yeah, manager. so they have that time with the Giants, and uh, so I mean that's interesting. To, but the one thing against him, he's a lefty, but I mean never, that never stopped him in the past. Um, so he's probably one of the better spec plays, I would say, because he has the experience. There's like the manager familiarity that we mentioned, and uh, the clerk isn't the most reliable pitcher either. He's got he's had walk issues in the past, so. Um, maybe like in the mid hundred, like mid fifties or sixties, would have been a little bit more. I would have been a little more comfortable with, but um, yeah, he's a good one to put a flyer on. 100%. Uh, 
Um, I, I, I dropped off of a most added and went for most money spent now just so we can have some fun with some of these because I get where some came from. The numbers I don't agree with. We, I don't think you'll agree with this one either, but I would 100% be trying to get this player. If we're talking spec closers, I was drafting this guy in my last two OCs. AJ Puck was added in 38 leagues. That's probably all that was left. But here's where it gets fun, Ben. As high as 425, almost half your budget, as low as 35. The one thing I'll say, though, before I let you have the floor here, out of all the spec closers we talked about, Puck could be the guy. At one point in time, it would not shock me. We'll see. I still wouldn't put $425 on him. But um, what's your thoughts on just AJ Puck in general? Because I think we both agree the price was crazy, but I was interested in him for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. it's like he's been the thing that everybody wants to happen for so long now. Um, yep. It seems like this might be his best chance with the Marlins. Um, I... Yeah, I, so I, I have this. I follow this one website. It's called Closer Monkey, and they still think Floro is the head of the committee. Um, okay. I found these guys a few years ago, and they've been pretty good with um, at least daily uh, um, closer uh, specs. Like if someone's pitched in two games, like they'll price it the next one. They have the um, the vulture save, they call it, and uh, wow. they still have Floro ahead of the. I, I don't know what Floro has done to not be the closer still. So um, like he ended he ended pretty well last year. Um, he had the job. But yeah, I, Puck's a little bit of the name brand, I think. That's probably why he went for so much. Um, yeah, it was a big prospect. Um, but yeah, I, I could see he's he's probably up there with Will Smith in terms of the most safe, if you want to call any of them safe. They're not really safe, but he's probably one of the in the higher echelon of the specs that we mentioned so far. That's a great point. And I'm with you on the floral thing, because that's what's funny is I had floral over Puck in all my drafts, thinking, oh, I'll get Puck as the last pick, or I'll, I'll fab Puck even. And I said, I got him in my last two drafts, because that's when reports came out that things were changing. Where early on, I thought it was floral. I thought they wanted to get him as many saves as possible and trade him. Like, that's where I – and then Puck would get the second half run type scenario. But that tone changed with Skip Schumacher and company in Miami. So that got my attention. But I, I do agree with you. I like – Skip did come out and say it's a committee. He even threw Tanner Scott's name in there who got shelled. So I don't think it's it's him, but easily a puck, Flora, lefty, righty makes sense. It totally makes sense. So I guess we'll see how it goes going forward. Um, Nolan Gorman, Danny Jimenez, we talked to him. Alex Cobb went for a ton. Uh, Graham Ashcraft, 56 leagues as high as 315. Um, it was a good, it was a fun point of discussion in the Discord. And then Nick Pollock talked about it on Twitter and whatnot. Smarter people with pitching than I. Um, I looked at his numbers and he goes seven innings. I think it was like one run, got the win. Strikeouts were okay, but like he wasn't whiffing guys. The CSW was low. I'm sitting there just going, hmm, this isn't the guy we saw in spring training. Like, what's going on? Apparently, I shouldn't be concerned, so that's fine. But what's your thoughts on Graham Ashcraft? Because people were very aggressive if he was available. Yeah, he's someone I don't have on any teams. Mainly, I mean, he was going in a range where it would have been great to put like distract him as a flyer. Um, the one thing that kind of I did push me didn't push him to the top of my list at the point in that in the draft was he's on the Reds. So there's the home run issue with Cincinnati. It's one of the best places to hit, and then also they're not going to win many games. So even though you, you, we can't predict wins, like the, the I feel like the new mindset now is just try to draft pitchers on good teams, and then they'll probably fall into wins more often than not. But um, looking at a Savant page uh, in this start, he had a 23% K, K rate. Last year was 15%. And his walk rate was down almost 3% from 6.5 last year to 3.8. So that's almost a a 20% K minus walk percentage, which is, I think that's elite or close to it. Um, Pretty darn good. 
you're you're a really good pitcher if you have a 20% K minus walk percentage. Um, and he always had the stuff where it didn't really make sense why he never got strikeouts. He has like a 99 mile per hour cutter, I think, and mm-hmm. he has filthy stuff. So I, he's definitely someone um, that makes sense uh, put, trying to get on your team. Um, at least he wasn't as like $300. That's a little insane if it was. But um, yeah, he's definitely a good flyer to, to um, if you need starting pitching help. All right, the last player I'm going to mention here, and this one's for you because you mentioned him earlier in the show. <laughs> you drafted him because you're smart you're smart like that. Um, this gentleman was picked up in six leagues, six, six whole leagues, as high as $312, as low as $44. So people wanted him in all six leagues that picked him. Jorge Mateo went for over <laughs> $300, as low as like, – 44 is still sketchy to me, honestly. Because, like, he's starting out great, and it's awesome. And if he steals like he is, great. I'm still concerned if he stops hitting the ball, he might find the bench pretty soon. So that's the only concern with Mateo, but I don't know. But that's a lot of cash, so I had to throw that one out there for you. <laughs> or, hey, people well, he hit a homer last night, so, I mean, that's a great investment. Oh. Yeah, so far, so good. So, people are like, no, I traded – I picked them up for steals. I don't care about the home run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, the yeah. thing with Mateo that – I, I try to avoid when I'm drafting is getting guys who are, I want guys at the top of the lineup and he's hitting ninth for the Orioles. Um, so that's part of the reason why I was kind of upset when I ended up drafting him. But um, so the one thing about him though, is that he's good defensively and they, and they have enough hitters and other spots in the lineup. So I, I, I think they're okay if he doesn't really hit well and has a poor on base, it won't hurt him as much when he's batting ninth in the, in the lineup. But um, I think these rules could like boost him to be like a Billy Hamilton or what we want, what we want Mondesi to be, um, someone with like 60 steal potential almost. Um, yeah, for those who were able to dra- um, grab him off waivers that where he wasn't drafted, that's that's pretty awesome, I think. Yep, yep, I'm with you. I think it's a, a nice one. I like, to, I just like to make fun of Jorge Mateo for two reasons. That was a ridiculous amount of money for the one that spent the most for him, and B, Mike Curlin <laughs> was like loves Mateo. So anytime I can jab Mike Curlin, I'm I'm always enjoying that. All right, Ben, let's have a little fun here. Let's talk about the moves we made this past week. I don't know if you have the screen up or if you, you got it ready, but um, feel free to let us know how what what you added, what you dropped, and for how much, just so we can have some fun with this. Okay, yeah. So as I alluded to before, I play in only 15 team leagues on um, NFBC, um, but I'll go through those quickly. So I'm in four of them. I made moves in three. So the first one was my one of my main events. I added Cutter Crawford, uh, dropping Ranger Suarez, um, for $32. Um, jury saw on that one. Maybe he had six strikeouts. I needed strikeouts. So, that's I mean, that's, that's a positive I'm taking away from that. Um, number the second ad was uh, Joey Weimer. I added him for $12, dropped Harold Ramirez. No, excuse me. That's who I wanted. I got uh, Lamont Wade Jr., uh, one of your guys, for $6, dropping Harold Ramirez. Um, I didn't play him, though, because of the, the early game. I yeah. should have, though, because I had Lars left in my lineup. So I messed up there. But uh, yeah. Living, we learn. Um, yes, dude. And then my third ad in this league was uh, Griffin Jacks of the Twins uh, for four dollars, and I dropped Adam Adovino. Okay. It seems like the Minnesota closer situation is very unsettled. So, mm-hmm. and he, he has good stuff. So I figured, well, why not? Um, just take a take a flyer on him. Real quick, uh, before we go to your next teams, I love that Jacks move. Like this is where speculating early is so big because I think he's the closer by the end of the season. When I don't know, but. At worst, it kind of goes back to the two-start stuff we talked about. I'd rather have Jax in my lineup to get two or three appearances every week than put some starters in it. 
So um, I'm with you 100 percent on that one. Good move. Thank you. I think uh, last year he had like 70 innings, which is a, which is a lot for a reliever. So um, that's about like three per inning and uh, three per week. So if you're getting three innings out of him and he's striking out one to two guys per outing, that's a starting pitcher's case that you're getting right there. So yeah, those guys can have value. All right. Um, now my next league. I, oh, so the one league I didn't put any moves in for was my other main event. Um, I it drafted late and I, I was still fine with the guys I had on my bench. So I didn't feel like making any moves there. Um, next one is a main event qualifier. So I added uh, Herman Marquez <laughs> for $18. I dropped Matt Barnes. He was not my first uh, priority. Um, I, I, I had Michael Grove ahead of him and actually Johnny Brito. I did not realize Johnny Brito was getting sent down until uh, yeah. yesterday, which is kind of, I'm a Yankee fan. I didn't even know that. I mean, I don't know when they announced it originally, but um, I feel bad for all those who spent money on him. Um, hopefully he's back up soon. He, he pitched really well. I think he will be unless somehow Rodon gets healthy quick <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Yeah, so Marquez is just someone to have for now as a uh, on the road um, plug and play. Um, and then my other ad was Orlando Arcia um, for eight dollars, dropping Kyle Stowers. Uh, I was big on Stowers as a late round flyer, but he hasn't really been playing that much late lately. And uh, Arcia is getting steady at bats, and I think I probably needed the uh, middle infield help. Um, and the last one here was one um, similar as my other my previous team. I this time I got Jose Alvarado for four dollars, and I dropped Adam Adovino. So Hopefully, well, I was watching the Phillies and the Yankees last night, and Sir Anthony Dominguez pitched when it was eight to one in the eighth or something like that. So that hope that made me feel somewhat good about having Alvarado on a few teams. So hopefully, he'll get the first save chance. He's, He's also someone right. that I know um, that Matthew Davis is big on. He was yeah. that's kind of where I got um, the interest in drafting him late. I think I have Alvarado in way too many leagues, especially DCs, but way too many twelves and fifteens. I'm a big fan with you on that one. Um, let's talk about my teams now. Uh, we'll go to Barf here. Uh, it's one of the few 15s I do. Uh, Nick Pavetta dropped JT Brubaker, 32 and 7. Michael Grove dropped Taylor Rogers. That one kind of stung, but I needed some more starting pitching. 22 for a uh, runner up was 11. So, a couple there. Hopefully, Grove can really make it worth it over the weekend, as you mentioned. And then we'll do my three OCs real quick OC1, Dylan Dodd. This one's going to sting. I might have screwed up here. Drop Dylan Floro. We'll see how that – because I one thing I did in all my drafts, like my last like four rounds were all relievers because of the opening weekend. So I had like way too many of them, especially in a 12. So we'll see how Floro goes. But 33 for no runner-up bid, Dylan Dodd. Then I went and got Nick Pavetta. Dropped Trevor May, 33-0. to zero. This is going to be – I have and these are the leagues I have really like solid closers in also. So let me speculate that. And then last but not least, Joey Weimer dropped Luke Voigt 19 for zero. No runner-ups in any three of those. That was fun. Um, there was literally – there was only three total bids out of, like, just gauging here, like the 15 bids in this league that had runner-up bids. So I don't know what happened in this league. Uh, OC2, a few more runner-up bids, none on mine. Joey Weimer dropped Oswaldo Cabrera 12 for zero. I think Oswaldo's still fine, but at the 12, he's uh, interchangeable to me. Here's my streamer that failed – if you're curious, Johan Oviedo dropped Spencer Turnbull eight for zero. And then this was just a, a look ahead to see how he does this week for a potential two starts next week. I'm not even starting him this week, but Matt Strom for a dollar, no runner up. I just want to see what he's got. If he's efficient, he's got a couple, at least one of his two starts next week is pretty nice. If not, it was a buck, a single dollar. And then in my OC three, uh, Nick Pavetta. $33, drop McKenzie Gore, who I only wanted for the weekend. We'll see if it's worth it in the long run. No runner-up bid. 
Um, Joey Weimer dropped Luis Urias because he's going to be out for a long time. 31, no runner-up bid. Uh, and then Johan Oviedo dropped Lane Thomas, 12 for zero. So as you can tell, I made nine moves in the OCs without one single runner-up bid. I'm trying to be more aggressive this year, not break the bank aggressive, just more aggressive in general in my ad drops, especially in OCs, because that's just a churning and burning world. So I probably wouldn't have dropped a couple of those guys, like May and Floro in a 15, not a chance. But I'll play with fire a little bit more at 12. I'll say that much. So we'll see what happens. That makes sense. Did you say one of your ads was Mackenzie Gore? I dropped Mackenzie Gore. I like Gore. I, I kept him for the opening week start. And then I dropped them. Like it's like one of my last pitching spots to churn. He was one of my last picks in that draft. Mm-hmm. I do like him a lot. I like what we saw in spring, hoping that we get a view like a the San Diego guy we saw at first last year. The playing for Washington scares me. And his upcoming schedule, I don't think was that great. So um he's a guy I could see myself adding and dropping a few more times this year, but I wasn't doing it just yet. Yeah, he's in my he's on my main event where I added Cutter Crawford, and he's part of the reason why I need to Cutter Crawford because I I didn't trust him last week against the Braves who were they were playing. He ended up having a decent start. I think I think he got the win too, so I was kind of upset with myself. Yeah. Um. So that put me in a K hole hole. So I uh, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't play him this week in Colorado, but um, exactly. I have to weather. I remember hearing the Nationals had a rough start to the year, so I'm, I need to weather the storm, and then hopefully he'll uh have some better matchups um end of the month. Yeah, because like a 15, you hold. Like, I'm with you there. The 12, I'm like, okay, he's got Colorado this week. Maybe he gets shelled. I can get him for a couple bucks the week. Like, like you know, you're, you're playing all these events in your head. Does it ever work out that way? Rarely. Like, we both know this very well. But that's like in a 12, you kind of – you definitely take more chances than you do yeah. in a 15. And that, that was one of the big things is people have asked because I did – I like 12s to begin with, and I've expressed that many times. But last year was my first year in the OC season. I learned a lot. Like, I was in the league that the Guilds won the overall in. He smoked us in many categories. But I learned a lot just kind of watching things and especially watching him do fab was a, a quite a telling situation on, you know, just playing the game, adds, drops, be aggressive, like not financially, but just be aggressive. Um, and look at Gore. He's got, he's got Atlanta this week, which terrifies me. So that was one. Yeah, and then next week he's got a two-step, but it's at Colorado and then at the Angels who are hitting the baseball quite well. So, like, that's his next three starts. Is that home against Atlanta where the ball flies out of Washington more than people think? At Colorado, at Anaheim. Anaheim's probably as easy as for the three, and that's still not the easiest matchup in the world. So that was my concern. Like, okay, let's see how this goes. Maybe he struggles or something. And, yeah, in a, tw- in a 15, I get it. In a 12, a little, little tricky from there. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on this opening weekend of action before we head on out of here on another episode of Bench with Boba? No, like I said before, thanks for having me on. It's uh, awesome to always talk baseball with you and fancy baseball, and hopefully we can do this again soon. Well, we will. We will be in touch. Like I, like I told you off air, uh, I like chatting with you in general. You're easy to talk to. You know what you're doing. This guy's so good. I, I was busy didn't get him a, a, an outline, and we just rolled through it because it's uh, fancy baseball is what we do. So um, I appreciate you joining me, and we will definitely do this again sooner than later. All right. Sounds good, Bubba. Alrighty, if you guys aren't following Ben yet, well, you're crazy because he's a very, very talented fantasy player and a great guy. So go check him out on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. I am on Twitter at BDentric, and this was Ben with Bubba, episode 581. Catch you all next time.
Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100 that's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100 prizepicks daily fantasy sports made easy